wills, our hearts, our emotions, our minds, to submit them to your word. Because it is life, it is authoritative, it is everything to us. We thank you for guiding us into it. We thank you that uh, you've given us the mind of Christ to understand it. Please do that even now as we look at it this morning. Bless our time together in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so if you're a, if you're a, uh, a kid in third, fourth, or fifth grade, we have new clipboards for you that have your own version of the sermon notes. So if you're third, fourth, or fifth, can I invite you to come up and get your clipboard this morning? Third, fourth, fifth. Come on up. They're in this basket right here. I'll just have you take one and then go back to your seat. So we realize we have uh, normal clipboards for those that are younger to color on and do different things, but we thought, you know, what we ought to do is have our own version of sermon notes for kids. And so that was the point of this, to do something a little bit different. Now again, the goal is, during the worship times, you third, fourth, fifth graders, we want you to sing. You know, we want you to look at the words on the screen, sing them, be a part of that. But then when it comes time for the sermon, you have your own version of the notes, things you can write, things that you can draw so you kind of listen to what I'm saying and, and pick up what's going on. So you already know the topic is prayer, so you could probably write something about that in there and then uh, follow along, okay? So the other thing that I did not mention this morning during announcements is uh, this is our Fun Club kickoff week. So uh, Fun Club starts uh, for elementary school students this Wednesday at 3.30. So keep that in mind. If you still want to help volunteer, you probably had to contact the office uh, Brock and Cheryl Pulver are leading that, so we can connect you with them. But that's starting this week, Fun Club. So keep that in mind. All right. Rooted groups uh, are memorizing uh, Ephesians 6, 17, and 18. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Ephesians six seventeen and 18. A little stumble there for me, but you know, it was alright. It was good. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, for those that are coming in new this fall, uh, we're in the middle of a 10-week discipleship experience here at church called Rooted. Uh, we have, I just want to let you know, I, I didn't do numbers yet, but we have 106 people going through Rooted at this church. 106. Um, so that's 10 Rooted groups. That includes our, our uh, senior hires in that number. So that is awesome. I didn't calculate if that's 80%, but it's, it's, I'm sure it's really, really close of, of our normal attendance on Sunday morning. So I love that. I know not everybody could do it. I know there were some that signed up and later said, you know what, I can't commit to being there 8 out of 10 times. We'll do it again. You know, We'll do it again either next winter or next spring. So we want to offer this regularly. But 
to have the initial support of that be 106 uh, uh, people in church is awesome. I love that. And my prayer is that as you go through this and you experience that, that you are transformed, and then next time through, maybe you could bring someone with you or invite someone into it. Or, you know, if someone you know gets saved, you could say, I've got the perfect thing we can do together for that, those first discipling steps. How about 10 weeks of Rooted at my house, just you and me, and then you can help lead them in their first steps in the faith. You know, we, we have to get excellent at discipling other people, and that's the goal of Rooted. So I love the stories I'm hearing. No one's come up to say yet they want to share publicly in church. I hope that you do think about that. But the stories that I'm hearing are awesome. I love what I heard this week about the prayer times and even my own prayer group. The things the Lord says when you just devote yourself to prayer are amazing, you know? I mean, the answers are amazing too, but the things that you hear are wonderful. And I love hearing that this week from my group. So we're talking about prayer this morning, and we're doing Ephesians 6, 17 and 18. So if you want to turn there, if you weren't quoting it earlier, uh, you can always turn to Ephesians 6. All right. Um, so I remember, uh, I remember when one of my leadership students came back from uh, Marine Boot Camp, and it was clear that he was different now. I'd say he had a stronger faith after that experience. And I'd say some of the things that he shared, the stories, the experiences, clearly told me, I don't have a clue what he went through. You know, I don't have a clue how they prepared him. You know, the things that they did to train him uh, were, were beyond what I've been through. And I think all of us at times... We've talked to an expert, whether they're in the military or whether they're doing, you know, they work at a hospital, they work in construction, they're doing this, they're doing that. I mean, look, you know, sometimes I, I talk to people that are in construction, they talk about the tools that they're using, and I'm thinking, I don't even know what that tool is, you know? Like, you just name something, I have no idea what that is. You have to, like, tell me, show me, diagram it. I don't know. I wish I knew, but I don't. And, and I think. All of us know people that are experts in, in something. They, they can do something that we can't do, and that makes us feel like there's this, there's this whole world that I don't know much about. But they're really good at it. And that's also true with prayer. We have people that we call, I don't know if this is a biblical term, but it's, we call them prayer warriors. They're the ones that war in prayer for the church for people that are not yet part of the church. Prayer warriors. And certainly there's lots of internet um, pictures of people on their knees with, with wise sayings about fighting on your knees, you know, and, and, and all these kind of things that, that, that prayer warriors do. And I don't think I ever, I think the first time in my life I realized there were people who were so devoted to prayer that it blew my mind, was when I was at Bethany Baptist Church in Peoria, Illinois, I was an intern. They were, they were searching for a youth pastor, and I was filling in for the summer during my internship for college. And I remember on Sunday morning I went in and I saw people in this room praying. And after it was over, I asked some people about what was happening, and they said, oh, those people pray 
throughout the entire worship service for everything that happens on Sunday morning. And I said, so wait a minute. They, they stay in that room while we're worshiping and while we're doing the sermon and, and, and doing all that, and they just stay in there praying. Yeah, that's what they do. And I thought, I, I'd never thought about doing anything like that. And I'd like to think that I care about prayer, but that was like on a different level. We do something like that here. It's not during the service, though. It's actually before the service, where people get together in my office, early, you know, half an hour before Sunday morning starts, and just pray over what happens in here. And, and, and there's no way we'll be able to measure until the next life what actually happened in that prayer room that got to happen on Sunday morning because of what was happening there. Ephesians 6, 17 and 18 ends the armor of God passage, right? So take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Fight. Battle. Paul earlier says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against authorities, against these powers of darkness. So he's saying, we're in a battle. Like You know that passage. And then he says, take the helmet of salvation, buckle on the belt of truth, Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Uh, fit your feet with the boots of the gospel of peace. Fight. And then he says, stand. Do everything to stand. Oh, the shield of faith that puts out the fiery darts of, of Satan. And then you get at the tail end of the armor of God. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. It's at the tail end of the armor. And so I'm wondering, because whenever you read the Bible, you probably ought to ask as many questions as you can. So I got questions for Paul. He's not here to answer them. But my question is, why didn't Paul, if Paul gave the Bible, if this is the sword of the Spirit, then what is prayer? Right? If, if Paul could name the Bible a sword and salvation is a helmet, and righteousness is a breastplate, and truth is a buckle, and, and the gospel is boots, and faith is a, is a shield. What's prayer? What is prayer? I hope to answer that by the end. Okay? But I'll let you think about it. And, and when we, we always discuss the sermon, we're going to pray to get today at uh, 1045. We discuss the sermon, we're going to pray as well today at that time. But... Maybe I'll ask you, what do you think? Why doesn't Paul say like the, the spear of prayer? You know, or, or the arrow of prayer? Why just pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests? Tell me the answer, you know? So I've been thinking about this all week long. What is the answer to that question? And we'll wait. But I do know this. I, I can say this with certainty. The fact that the Apostle Paul wrote the prayer verse at the end of the armor passage means that he views prayer as warfare. He views Christians that pray as prayer warriors. So even though you're not going to find the, the term prayer warriors in the Bible, this is the closest thing you have to reading about prayer and going, oh yeah, it's a battle. The context of that verse is Battle. We are at war. Satan is destroying people. He's stealing. He's a lion devouring. And what we've got is the armor 
and prayer. We've got prayer. Can you pull my image up, Jim? That means prayer is like your wartime walkie-talkie. It's your radio. It's, it's you calling in reinforcements. That's what prayer is. And I'm sure that Paul had that notion, even if they didn't invent you know, walkie-talkies back then. That's the notion here. I'm calling in help. I'm calling in help. So as we talk about prayer today, as we talk about prayer warriors, I want you to think of it in this way. I have a lifeline to the Father who is the commander of all the armies of heaven, who has unlimited power, and I need him, oh, I need him every hour. And I can call him anytime, and he will answer and send in air support. You know, he's coming to help me. What I want to do this morning then, briefly, is pull the curtain back a little bit, because I think in our minds we think prayer warriors are the elite. They're the elite. Like, the reason we have that term is because most of us aren't that. Right? That's them. They're the prayer warriors. We're not. They're elite. We're not. And yet, Ephesians 6 says, oh yes, you are. It's whether you're actually fighting or not. Because you're all in the foxhole. You know? You may not think you are, and you may not consider yourself that way, but you are. So either you fight or you lose ground. Either you pray or Satan advances on you. Either you become a warrior of prayer or the opposite. We're all prayer warriors. And I know, we're, I, know I can't change the tide of the church there and now we all get to call our, you know. I know we'll probably always do that or at least for a long time. But in some ways I say we shouldn't. We shouldn't have the prayer warriors, even though I know, practically speaking, there will always be people in the church who pray more than others. It, it just will always be. But let it be us. Let it be you that becomes a prayer warrior. So, so my goal is just to pull the curtain back and say, no more what happens in the boot camp. No more um, expertise in this area because you went to school for it. This is like all of us. All of us prayer warriors. What does it mean to be a prayer warrior? You know, if we pull the curtain back and show at its core what that means, that's Ephesians 6, 17 and 18. If this was you, you'd be the prayer warrior. And you ought to be. So, again, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. That's a prayer warrior. We can break that down into at least six areas of what prayer warriors do. Number one, prayer warriors pray frequently. They, they, they pray at all times. I, I, what, how's NIV read? That's the problem when you're studying different uh, translations here. Ephesians uh, 6. Where am I at? 17. 18. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. On all occasions. Now, I wanted to use the word constant, you know, like pray without ceasing, but I don't want you to get the impression that 
Prayer is like, I, I do that all day so I don't have time to talk to you. You know, I, I'm praying. I'm, I'm talking to God and I don't need to talk to anybody else. I, I think frequently is the more realistic word that captures on all occasions. When do you pray? Well, you, you, you pray in your prayer closet. I know people that actually have a prayer closet. Um, you, you pray on your knees. You, you pray over the phone. You pray in your car with your eyes open. You, you pray at school. You pray at home. You pray before meals. You pray before you go to bed. You pray when you get up in the morning. You pray. You pray throughout your day. When, it, when a challenge comes your way, you pray. When life is great, you pray. When life stinks, you pray. When someone's mad at you, you pray. When someone's happy with you, you pray. Before you get married, you pray. During your marriage, you better pray. <laughs> you pray. And he says, pray on all occasions. Well, what occasions do you think about, Paul? All occasions. All occasions. Pray frequently. I could use the word constant. If you like that word better, put the word constantly. Anytime. That's when you pray. You ought to always be ready to pray. Which leads quickly to the second part. Pray on all occasions in the Spirit. Uh, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Spirit-filled prayer. Spirit-filled prayer. Which means the Spirit's leading you to pray. He's, he's working in you to pray. He's guiding your prayers. Look, have you, ever, have you talked to somebody, and maybe this is a pastoral problem and not your problem, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, if someone's asking for healing, I'm praying for healing. Far be it for me to go into a hospital and sit down with somebody, and they say, please pray the Lord would heal me of, of this. And I say, Nah, I don't think he wants to do that. Sorry. But have I ever felt in my soul that perhaps the Spirit was doing something different than healing? Yes. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, let's just be fair. Have you ever felt that way, that God's doing something different in your heart than healing you of whatever's going on? I think if you're honest, you've got to say, yeah. There's times when I feel like, His grace is enough and He's not taking away the thorn in the flesh. What are you going to do? So if if you're praying Spirit-filled prayers, then you've got to be praying and God's going to be saying some things like, I want to make my power perfect in your weakness. The illness will remain. Spirit-filled prayers guide you into what to pray. When you pray in Jesus' name, we've talked about this here a lot, Praying in Jesus' name is not the magical words you end your prayer with to get what you want. It's not pretty please, God. Um, Praying in Jesus' name means you pray for the things Jesus would pray for. What would Jesus pray for? Those kind of things. The Spirit's trying to lead you in praying for those kind of things. He wants to fill you. He wants to control your prayers. Sometimes, though, this is really awesome. Sometimes you're not going to know what to pray, though, because the situation's too far beyond you, and you've run out of words to pray. Has it happened to you? Let me just, not to, not to call anybody out, but how many of you would say at some point you just did not know what to pray? You were out of words. You just did not know. Yeah. I've been there. And then Romans 8.26 applies. The Spirit intercedes for you with, with groans that words cannot express. When you don't know how to pray, 
The Holy Spirit is actually in you praying with these groans that words can't even say. Think about that. When you're at your end and you don't even know what to say to God about what just happened, that's when the Holy Spirit says, I know what to pray. And He prays for you. I mean, think about that. Some of you probably think to yourself, well, considering how prayerless I am, He's probably praying a lot for me, you know? I'm kidding. Just kidding. But maybe that's convicting too. There are times when we don't have the words because we're so in the situation, we feel weak, and the Holy Spirit says, I've got this. I'll pray for you. And He does. Romans 8, 26. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Number three then is with all kinds of prayers and requests. Number three is diverse. Diverse. We pray different things. Um, you pray prayers of thanksgiving. Uh, probably the, the famous uh, acronym is you know ACTS, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. You know you adore God for who He is. God, I praise You for Your love. Praise You for Your mercy. Thank You for the gospel. Thank You for dying for me. Confession is, I failed. I've messed up. God, forgive me. This is what I've done. Thanksgiving is, let me think about what you've been doing, God. Let me think about what you've done in my life. Let me think about the kids you've blessed me with, the spouse that I have, the house that I live in, the car that I can drive, the food on the table. Let's give thanks. Supplication is a request. Praying for needs that we know of. Supplication. So it's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. We pray different kinds of prayers. Sometimes we pray other prayers more than others. Sometimes we find ourselves more thankful than others. But we should never like cut some of those things off. We, we ought to have a diversity in our prayer life. Pray different kinds of prayers. Um, I once read a really great book on prayer during my call, uh, Bible school days. And I'm not going to say what it was. I, lo- I love the book. It was a great book. But there was one chapter that really got me and and the author said you should be careful not to say back to God things that God already knows and after reading that book as a young 20 something I got on my high horse and thought well Christians I hear do that all the time they tell God how merciful he is how gracious he is how holy he is how awesome he is he knows that stuff That's when you're young and you read a book. You get to judge everybody around you. Don't fall into that. Honey rockers, you know, (laughs) right? Um, Others, don't fall into that. You just read something really deep, but you're not trying to think about it biblically, you know? Uh, A smart guy said once, tell God things he knows about himself. The angels do. They say, holy, holy, holy. He knows. He's got that. And yet he still wants it to be declared. What is worship if not saying things that God already knows about himself? Sometimes we can get too smart for our own good, right? Compare everything with Scripture. That goes for all of us, not just those in the academic setting. Tell God what he knows. He loves it. Let's keep moving. Um, Okay, so we pray all kinds of prayers 
all kinds of requests. With this in mind, be alert. Be alert. Uh, the word there is actually watchful. It's the word Jesus used. You know, watch and pray that you do not fall into temptation in the Garden of Gethsemane. Be watchful. Watch. It, uh, I think literally the word means without sleep, if I remember correctly. Yeah, without sleep. If you're in the foxhole, you can't close your eyes. If you're in the battle zone, you dare not sleep. And if Satan is doing what we know Satan does, if he really is prowling and if he really has evil demons that are, that are going around doing things, if the world is against us and if our own flesh wants to if our own flesh betrays us and wants us to sin, you better be alert. You better be watchful. That's the idea of watchfulness. It's just, I know there's something going on here and I'm ready to pray about it. It's when you search your heart at night and go, what did I do today that displeased God? Watch. Watch. Pray about it. Confess it. Keep watch. Keep watch for other people. You know something's going on in someone's life. You keep watch for them. It's the watchman on the wall looking for the enemy approaching. Do you know what the enemy is up to in your life? If I asked you right now to tell me what Satan is up to in your life, could you tell me? Are you keeping watch? Are you talking to God about what you see? Jesus says to Peter in Luke 22, Peter, I will never deny you. I, I got this. And Jesus reminds him he's in a battle. And Jesus says, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. This is Luke twenty-two thirty-six. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Satan wants to destroy you. But then Jesus says, But I have prayed for you that your faith will not falter. I have prayed... Satan wants to take you apart, but I prayed. Peter, you would never recover from what Satan wants to do to your life, but I prayed. Keep watch. Because often it's the only thing standing between you and whatever Satan wants for your life. Devouring, stealing, killing. All between Peter and and destruction of his life is Jesus praying. So we keep watch. Uh, fifthly, it says, uh, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. Always keep on praying. The word there is persevere, actually. NIV smooths it out a little bit. Always keep on praying. Persevere. Jesus, we, we talked about this earlier this year. Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. And then he says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. He changes the tense a little bit there in, in the Greek. Knock, knock. Please answer me, Father. Knock, knock. I need help here. Knock, knock. I'm being tempted. Knocking, knocking. Lord, this problem hasn't gone away yet. Those people are still against me. That, that sin is still tempting me, and I still keep giving in to it. Knock, knock, knock. Help me. Jesus, she still hasn't accepted Christ. Jesus, my son is still so stubborn and hard-hearted. Knock, knock. Don't give up. Don't give up. 
And the idea is you're not knocking because you have a stubborn father. He's not stubborn at all. The idea of knocking is you know he loves opening the door. He loves opening the door. And it's his timetable. You don't know his timetable, so you keep on praying. Persevere. So a year went by and you didn't see God do what you thought he might be able to do in this person's life. Keep on knocking. Keep on persevering. Always keep on praying, Paul says. This is just a bottom line, basic thing. When you see Satan taking ground, you don't stop praying. Persevere. Don't give up. And it's not because your father's stubborn. He loves you to persevere. He loves you to keep knocking. And he loves to open the door at just the right time. But if you stop knocking, I can't even tell you. I mean, I, I, I don't know. What does the Father do when you stop knocking? I don't think I have an answer to that this morning. All I know is He wants you to keep knocking. So don't stop. Persevere. Now, you might say to yourself, and I think this happens to a lot of Christians, I, I'm at a very peaceful time in my own life. Life is good. Nobody's mad at me. I haven't said anything stupid to get myself in trouble. That's always great. I'm not stuck into a pattern of sin, you know, like those patterns we get into. I'm not stuck in a pattern of sin. Everyone in my family is kind of healthy. This is good. I don't have to pray as much. Always keep on praying, verse 18, for all the Lord's people. You may not be in the immediate hot foxhole where the battle's raging. That's awesome. I'm glad God gives times of peace. That, that's, great. that's so good of Him to do that for us. But there's people around you that are in the heat of it and they need you to pray for them. They need you to keep watch for them. So, you ever have a conversation with somebody? Boy, I remember one time I was in college. A guy in my class told me he was the most humble person he knows. <laughs> really? Really? He also had a big boasting problem, as you might imagine. As you might imagine. You ever talk with someone really arrogant, really prideful, and then you walk away, and you're like, man, that guy's got it coming. God is going to knock him down. Whoa. But how many of you actually think, I've got to pray for that guy? I've got to pray for him. How many of you have been slandered by somebody and you're like, I can't wait to tell them what's what? How many of you have prayed first before you go into that? Sometimes, uh, when a problem is presented to me as a church leader, I, I know that what people want to hear from me is this. What's the steps we're going to take to solve this? Because you're supposed to be the expert. And often, very often, and depending on the severity of the problem, all I've got to say at the, at the outset is, we've got to pray about this. Well, anybody could have told me that. That's all I got for you. Let's pray. And I'm going to trust that as we pray, that as we pray for the saints, that God's going to make some solutions clear. 
I'll give you two verses in Matthew. Call me in the morning. You know, I mean, that's... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll also recommend scriptures, by the way. That's always good, too. And yes, eventually you do have to get to some action steps. You ever met a Christian that only prays and never acts? I've seen those, too. And bless them for praying. But their knees are probably tired now. It's time to do something, you know? Time to exercise the arms or the mouth, not just the knees. It's time to go and do. You know what I mean? Go talk to... You've been praying for that person for salvation for a long time. Have you ever mentioned your faith? Nope. Time to start talking. You know what I mean? So, it's not an excuse. By the way, the last, the last point, uh, number six, is church-focused. If you didn't catch where I was going with this. Um, pray for all the Lord's people. That's church-focused. It's possible that we pray so much we don't act. But I think normally, for most of us, we're so busy that we'd rather have three easy steps to take care of our problems than pray for three long months. Shall I say that again? I didn't even put that in my mind. That was great. Write that down. Where did that come from? Um, Got to pray for now. He's prideful. He just said that. You know. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Um, most of us want three easy steps to take care of our problem. God may want three long months or three long years. Right? We know that. So is prayer the first thing you do, the middle thing you do, and the last thing you do as you're taking action? It ought to be. It ought to be. Okay. I've come to the end. Why isn't it the, the, the arrow of the Spirit or the, the spear of the Spirit? Prayer, you know. Um, get them, God. Get them. Uh, So I found a story from David Jeremiah. Great pastor, teacher, great guy. David Jeremiah says one time he, uh, he, was, he borrowed his friend's uh, Oldsmobile, and it was an Oldsmobile uh, diesel. And he said, he, he borrowed, he was driving around New York City, and uh, he thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I return the car full of gas, even though he didn't have to. He was just borrowing it for a day, but he wanted to, to, to fill it with gas. So the, 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 the front said Oldsmobile Diesel on the little hood ornament, on, on the hood area. The, the, the back tailgate said Oldsmobile Diesel. The little sticker inside the gas area, the little, little sign said Oldsmobile Diesel, diesel fuel only. So he filled it up with diesel, started driving it around until it broke down. It was a gasoline engine. They converted it to gasoline. And, of course, everything on the car says diesel. But it was converted. And so they broke down. He felt foolish. But here's the point. We are human beings. We've got human being written on the front of us, on the back of us, on the bottom of us. Human being is written all over us. But Jesus has transformed us. He's converted us from diesel to gasoline. He's converted us from death to life from the old person to the new person, a new creation is here. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And I don't know how you got through it in the old days. You got through it by your intelligence, by the money that you earned, by being physically fit, by whatever you did to make life work. But friends, life doesn't work that way anymore for you. Yeah, you should still stay fit. Yes, you should still earn money. 
Yes, you should do all those things, use your intelligence, but now you run on prayer. That's what we're saying. Now you run on prayer. You're not that person anymore. The old you could run well on intelligence and whatever else you had going on back there, strength, health, whatever, personality. Now you run on prayer. Let's be prayer warriors. Would you stand with me now and we will be dismissed. Oh.